Welcome to Getting Heated, the place to debate and discuss all things surf-related. On today's show, we're diving into the hottest heats of the Rip Curl Newcastle Cup and throwing it back to the best 10-point rides ever to go down in Australia. Plus, we're revisiting the drama behind the most controversial heats in competition history. Finally, addressing what needs to change in the WSL rulebook. Start the clock. It's on. Welcome to Getting Heated. I'm Coco Ho, and today we have a spicy show. Time to bring in these legends with three world title trophies in the background, Mick Fanning and former CT charger turned semi-pro snowboarder, Ross Williams. Ross, did you score some powder turns last week? The snow was epic. We had a lot of fun. My girls are still smiling. Glad you guys got snow. I just had rain. <laughs> well, it's raining here in Hawaii now too, Mick, so we're with you. I almost can't believe that next week the CT finally returns. The heat draws are set, so let's dive in for Heat 1. The Rip Curl Newcastle Cup starts on April 1st. For those of us not competing, the excitement of seeing the draw is like opening a present on Christmas. So for Heat 1, I want to know what stands out as the hottest heat of the draw for you guys. Ross, which one has your interest most? Yeah, Coco, this is a um, this is a fun one for me because I feel like there was sort of obvious winners for each heat. Um, so I had to go further down the draw. So for Heat 11, I, that's what I loved about it. And that's Ryan Callanan, who's the local favorite. He's young, he's ripping. Um, he hasn't gotten anywhere near to where, uh, you know, his talent can take him in the ratings. I would say very similar things about Seth Moniz, who's also in his heat, a young Hawaiian who's, um, he, he's just itching to break through. And then you have Adriano de Souza, who's in his heat as well. Mick, what I love about Adriano is this is his last year on tour. So I feel like it's going to give him a major uh, jolt of caffeine for every single heat. We both know how good he is at closing heats out. He doesn't make mistakes. He's going to really keep Seth and Ryan on their toes. So that's a tough one. But I will say, Mick, if I had to choose a winner, I'll choose the local boy, Ryan. Uh, you know, he's really exciting to watch. I feel like he, you know, whether the waves are small or big, he's gonna have that X factor. And uh, and you know as well as I do, Mick, the, the lineup at Newcastle is really tough. So that might give him that edge. You watched his latest clip, didn't you, on Stab? Um, Ryan's clip was Guilty. incredible. This is one that the, the conditions can play a big part in it. But in saying that, they could all surf in every type of conditions. But if I have to pick someone, I'm going to go with uh, my lucky number seven and Seth. I think Seth's uh, a kid, as you said before, a kid that um, has that X factor. He's, he's extremely clutch. He's one of the guys uh, who, when he needs a big score, he can throw it out there. We've seen it in a few different events. We saw it at D-Bar last time they competed. Uh, and also, even when he came up against uh, Gabe Medina at Pike, you know, huge airs. You know, against the world champion. So Seth's a guy that I think can pull it out when it really needs to. Super good heat choices on both ends. Ross, I really respect your choice. I feel like all the locals are going to have Ryan Callanan's back. So I'm going to keep my local support with Seth Moniz. 
Um, Mick, hottest heat in your eyes? Yeah, I'm going to go to the women's draw on this one. This is heat number two. It's Lakey Peterson, Tyler Wright, and Keely Andrew. Uh, the reason why I chose this is because you don't get two top fives run into each other in first round. I did a bit of work with Lakey last year. She's got new turns. She's got um, new energy. She's got new confidence. So she's going to be incredible. Then you've got Tyler Wright, who... You know, she came back from illness and she looks so confident in herself. She's she's a new Tyler Wright. And then Keely Andrews, she's not a sleeper in this heat. I think she's she's extremely solid. And when the conditions get tricky, she always comes in and performs. You know, she's had big results in tricky places like Brazil. And I feel like Newcastle is one of those places where the conditions can serve up anything. So this is a real tough one. I'm just going to go with the, the local uh, in Tyler Wright, just because she's got the ratings lead. But I wouldn't be surprised if any of them win. Yeah, um, tough. You know, it's weird, Mick, because I'm a little bit confused on how Lakey and Tyler are in the same heat this early in the draw. I think Lakey's got that X factor. I'm going to stick to that sort of theme um, as far as trying to pick a winner in these heats, Mick. As you mentioned, you know, you worked with her. She's got a lot of drive to perform, and I love that. I, I would think Tyler is definitely maybe the smarter, more clutch competitor, but Lakey's got that X factor. So if she catches a lot of confidence, um, she's the, the type of surfer that could just go on a major role and win a bunch of events. So um, I like that she's looking for that edge. She, I feel like in this heat and uh, this year, she has a little more to prove. Also too with Lakey, she just had two weeks in quarantine and uh her husband's a physio. <laughs> so it's like she has zero injuries right now. She's 100% perfect in, in the body situation where she's going to be feeling amazing. It's going to be an exciting one. It's going to be, I think it's going to be the heat of the round. Either way it falls, that's going to be the heat of the round. Who's Coco got in his heat? Quarantine or not, I do think Lakey has the advantage for the point Mick mentioned. But I love a good underdog story and I respect Keely a lot. Love her surfing, so I hope she shows up. When we return, we're reliving the greatest 10-point rides to ever go down in Australia. And what's the most controversial heat in surfing's history? We'll tell you as soon as we're back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to Getting Heated. Guys, is it safe to say that all three of us really appreciate a solid, beautiful, undeniable 10-point ride? 100%. It's like uh, watching a solar eclipse or something. <laughs> 
Personally, I'm into 4.83s because I perfected those Coco on tour. Oh, well, let's talk 10s in heat too. There have been 15 10 point rides in the Australian leg of the CT in the modern era. I love a good 10, but they're not all equal. So here's the heat two question. What's the best 10 point ride to ever go down in Australia? Mick, you got home court advantage here. This, this 10 point ride is exactly what you think of when you go to this certain spot. The one I'm talking about is Seabass's 10 at North Point. You go to North Point and your dream, you're thinking that you're gonna get barreled from start to finish the whole way, just going over foam balls, punching through chandeliers. Um, so that one for me is, you know, my favorite 10 of the, the modern era in Australia. The other reason why it's so amazing, if you listen to the commentary, I think Pete Mel actually orgasmed in the microphone. Oh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> it was so heavy. Uh, he was so freaked out. And then Seabass comes flying out of the tube and then he runs into Strider who's having an absolute ball as well. And uh, and then, you know, we all know how fun Seabass is. He was throwing, you know, that many shuckers. It was just everything around that 10 was just pure joy and exactly what you want when you get a 10 point ride. Everyone just frothing out. <laughs> oh my god that was um that was probably accurate i think pete mel actually uh, <laughs> lost it uh, he kind of threw me off right there i'm just like, i can't get condor out of my head now um that is awesome okay i you know i'm not going to deny that that was one of the funnest uh tens that we've ever seen um in the world let alone australia so i love that pick mick um so my 10 is is a bit of uh departure from that sort of environment and it's more about competition and I just love how uh, clutch it was um, and it's one of the best performances I've ever witnessed in Australia period from start to finish and that was um, in 2015 uh, Felipe Toledo just went crazy on the Gold Coast he racked up six high nines in this event uh, through every round um, and in the final, he had Julian Wilson and then under priority, Julian let this wave go. And it was just the perfect Gold Coast, uh, you know, snapper rocks grower. And Felipe unleashed, ended with a big old thinner. Um, and it was a perfect 10, undeniable. It was just such a crazy wave. And uh, I think uh, Felipe was 18 years old. So he was wiry, he was light. He was just all over the joint, um, but it was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen and a 10 was you know it was an 11. Yeah I remember that wave I lost the carton in a bet I was betting on Julian to win that one so uh, yeah <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah look I guess 10s are one of those things where they're they're not an everyday occurrence maybe if you're Felipe or something but um, yeah I, I think you want to have that moment where it's just pure elation, like everyone gets involved in your 10. And I know the people on the beach, it was uh, at, at Snapper just went absolutely loony for that wave. But I just love the commentary from Pete Mel. And that's why Seabass's one got the pick for me. Uh, personally, Mick, you forever ruined that way for me with uh, your analogy of what Pete Mel was doing in the booth. So I, I that, that wave, I can't watch it ever again. Were you in the booth with him? <laughs> you wish. <laughs> Those were both incredible rides, maybe even some better memories, 
but let's take it from the 10 point rides to some questionably underscored rides for heat three. The events are starting back up and we're gonna see some close heats in tricky conditions, but controversial scoring is nothing new. So for heat three, what would you guys say is the most controversial heat that went the wrong way? Ross, which one still has you fired up? <laughs> um, you know, this is a really, really fun topic. I think everyone's favorite thing to talk about um, is whether someone won or lost a heat. Uh, it's what makes competitive surfing fun to watch, to be honest. Um, I think it's one of the most iconic heats in our history of competitive surfing. Um, and that's in the semifinal in uh, 2014 Tahiti Pro uh, with Kelly Slater and John John Florence. Um, now, as far as the scores go, I feel like um, there's a lot of nuance there. And it was a 9.9 .9 versus a 10. Uh, and that was the very first exchange in the heat. And Kelly had the 10, John John had the 9.9. .9. Uh, their waves were the similar size. They were both heavy, gnarly drops. The point of difference for me and where I thought John should have had the edge is he let go of his rail every single barrel he got. He was in the barrel. Uh, whenever he got in the barrel, he was performing. So he wasn't just sort of drawing a line and hanging a life. Um, he was letting go and he was weaving without grabbing rail over the foam ball, which just no one does. Only the very best in the world do that. And that's what sort of separates John John from uh, you know, the rest of the field at places like Pipe and Chopu is the fact that he's just so comfortable and he's actually performing in a barrel, which doesn't really happen. Kelly, if you remember, uh, Mick, that first exchange where he got the 10, he made a late drop and then he yanked on his rail and kind of accidentally got high in a barrel uh, and then redirected brilliantly, as Kelly always does. He has the best instincts uh, and the best reflexes and sort of navigated his way out of the barrel. It was just, in my opinion, Kelly reacting. Um, Whereas John was in control the whole way. And in my opinion, that's harder to do. Um, and, and then a very, uh, at the very end of the heat, Mick, that last wave with John, he let go of his rail. He was super deep. It was definitely the longest barrel uh, of the final. He needed a 9.88 and got a 9.87. They actually virtually tied. Uh, and on the count back, Kelly had the 10 and he beat him. So, um, so I thought John surfed just a little better in that heat. Yeah, look, I understand where you're coming from, obviously being the coach. No, I'm joking. Um, going back to it, the one thing for me, and this is something that I've people might be able to take into, um, you know, later down the track, was when people let go of their rails or, um, or just, you know, stand tall, they're not as deep as what they actually could be. And I think that's what, like... Uh, I think that's what the judges saw. Like Kelly's, even though it's a mistake, he's made so many turns from mistakes and just, you know, his brilliance just brings him through. He's high line uh, and then over the fine ball and down. And then just how long he was in that tube for from the front angle. I think the side angle is, it's, it's so different from for the judges to look into the tube versus the one uh, on the front angle. And I watched that over and over again. And I just felt like John made his look too easy. He was just so good and just so calculated and, you know, performing so well, he made it look too easy. Where Kelly just was like, he was on the verge of like the mistake actually put him in a better position to not make the wave and he made it so look i it, it is one of those controversial ones but the i think in the judge's eyes uh looking back at that i think john just made it look too easy and that was why kelly got the nod 
Yeah, I, I hate that. I just I can't stand that when uh, um, that's actually a thing. I, and 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 that's going back to a few episodes and we were talking about maybe the 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 odd chance that there's an ex tour surfer on a judging panel that maybe that's something that they would bring to the panel that nuance and just catching it. Um, uh, you know, because what, in my opinion, what John did, and again, it's not like Kelly was, you know, uh, bogging in that heat. What Kelly did was absolutely amazing. Um, but in my opinion, what John did was more difficult and more under control. Um, and sometimes, uh, as you mentioned, you know, and Kelly's done it many times in his career, he'll pull the wool over the judge's eyes a little bit and, and recover. Um, I don't think that you should be penalized for it, but you definitely need to take note if someone's recovering as opposed to in control the whole time. And I watched that wave over just like you did, Mick, last night, a hundred times, um, both all of those waves in that heat. And John was up and over the foam ball. You can't get any deeper than that, that chokes. I mean, he was, he, he climbed over the foam ball without grabbing rail. It was just bananas. Yeah, look. That's why it's controversial, right? <laughs> I, I think there's there's no wrong answer in that situation. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I think looking from the judges' eyes, I think that's maybe what they saw. Um, so, you know, maybe when uh, kids are standing in that perfect tube, maybe just grab a rail and try and just park it just a little bit so you come out just a little bit later. <laughs> well, all I have to say is all hail the no grab. <laughs> when we return, is it time for some changes to the CT rulebook? We might be ripping out some pages when we come back. to getting heated. Mick and Ross, I recently had to go through all 105 pages of the WSL rulebook. Can you guess the fine for a surfer who uses profanity on the broadcast? I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> oh boy. Some rules make the sport better and some rules we'd be better off without. Let's go deep into this one. As with any sport, the rulebook is long and boring, but all surfers need to know it. Some rules are necessary, but there's always room for improvement. So here's the going deep question. If you could change one thing in the WSL rulebook, what would it be? Mick, we call it the fanning rule. What would it be? Oh, flip of the coin. Uh, uh, I know a lot of guys are against this because they paddled faster than me, but uh, and I never fought for inside priority, but I would have loved just to see the drama over flipping the coin before two people paddled out. It's like, you know, heads or tails, just to see how people's mind would just start working and, and changing if they didn't get that priority or if they did get the priority. Um, I feel like sometimes people just paddle around way too much and we're missing waves. I know there's a rule in there now to, if you do paddle for a wave, that priority actually goes to the other guy. But I would just love to see the drama around flipping a coin. I really like that, Mick. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm sure you're aware of this. That's been sort of a, um, a, a topic amongst the surfers for years. I'm backing you on that one. It would just get rid of that, that first three to five minutes of everyone hassling and, um, and just get right down to the surfing. I would get rid of the three-man heats um, and or the seating round. I understand why we have it, and there's 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 attributes to to having a seating round. It lets the surfers warm up, which I know you know everyone's a fan of. But here's the big problem for me, and we've talked about this before. 
Surf contests are really long. They're too long. Uh, they're they're four to six days. You know, if there's combined men's and women's uh, together, they take forever. Um, and there's a lot of problems with that. You know, business-wise, it's a problem to sell it because uh, you know you're you're asking networks and and sponsors to you know sort of tune in and we'll tell you when when we're gonna run. And it's just to have people's attention span uh, last throughout 12 days is really tough. Um, so if you can if you can knock it back down to 30 instead of 32. Uh, and same for the women uh, from 16 down to 14. There's that even number that we're looking for. Mick, I did the math on this last night. You could cut from 70 heats down to 46. That's 12 hours. Um, uh, you know, that's a, a day and a half of competition. So uh, at these events, um, all the way down to just two and a half days. Now we're looking at one swell. Um, and to me, that would be a huge shot in the arm for surfing. Is that because you're on the beach and you have to watch every single heat, Ross, that you want to cut down some heat? For me, being yes. on the couch, make these <laughs> things go longer. <laughs> I love it. I love watching the best surf and surf. It's, it's incredible. I, um, you know, the, the attention span, look, you can put it in and out. You don't have to watch every single heat, but I love it. I sit there and watch every heat these days. When I was on tour, yeah, you could cut it down, but now I'm off tour. I just <laughs> want to watch the best surfers. Yeah. Again, I'm just trying to keep it alive. I just think they're personally too long. Um, and, and to be honest, it, it makes it a bit boring when you have all these, these multiple rounds that, um, where there's no consequence. I'm a, I'm a fan of just getting right in there, you know, striking right away. Uh, seeming in the first round, you're someone's going to go home. I mean, that's now we're talking. That's what makes the beauty of like basketball and football so insane. Is like right away someone's going to lose. Um, whereas uh, surfing and tennis, to be honest, it's the same way. They're really long. No one really tunes in until the fourth quarter or the finals, uh, and that's just because no one's going home until then. Yeah, look, I, I understand like, getting straight into it. I, I personally hate people losing in, in three-man heats. I think it's something that should not be a thing on the tour. Um, you know, we've brought up this idea of fixing the numbers to go, you know, straight into man-on-man. -man. Um, the one thing that I can see is when rookies come on tour and they run straight into the top five guys straight away. If they don't win that first heat at that first event, they've got them pretty much for the rest of the year. So I think that's a good thing where those, um, those three-man heats can break them up a little bit, sort of put them in a different sort of category of the draw with them. But, um, yeah, look... I, I'm not a fan of the three-man heat with a loser. I think it is it's it is null and void a little bit. Um, but, yeah, uh, making the event shorter, as I said, I'm a huge fan. I just want to watch more surfing. I back the coin toss. That does it for today's episode. Mick, I hope you don't get fined. We'll see you both next week. I'm sending the bill to you if I do, Coco. You towed me into that. <laughs>